Lord, that you came and had a miraculous birth and you lived a sinless, perfect life and then you died on a cross to, for the sin payment of all of our sin. And Lord, we can trust you as our Savior. Uh, once again, we thank you for these two men that were baptized this morning. And Lord, I pray now you'll continue to use them in their life and that they can be witnesses to other people. Lord, as we look at your word today, we pray, Lord, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I know there's a lot of things on our mind of what we've been doing, what we're going to do, maybe even this afternoon. So I pray right now that you'll help us to focus in on your word and what you have to say for us from your word today. And we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you. You can be seated. Well, I'm glad that you are here today and you've come to be with us today on this two days after Christmas, all right? I know we've probably got a lot of people traveling, and if you're joining us on a live stream or Facebook Live, we're glad that you're here also with us, and uh, we're so thankful again for those two men that were baptized. Uh, you've probably seen Mark playing the keyboard many times, and uh, as Fias said, he grew up here. And then um, uh, Brother Paul, uh, one of the things about Brother Paul, uh, one way I got to know him a little bit better is when we were doing canvassing uh, on those Wednesday nights when we were hitting the neighborhood behind us and when we were going down here uh, to the housing place, um, Brother Paul came up and he said, you know, I, I can't go out there. He couldn't do all the walking. He said, but what I'd like to do is just stay here and pray while you're going. And man, that was good. That was an encouragement. So the whole time we would be gone, he would be in that foyer out there praying for us and we would come back. He would still be there, you know, then we would sit down and share what God had done that night. But uh, I really appreciate both of those men and so glad they've been saved and they trust the Lord as their savior. And today they followed him in baptism. Well, I hope you had a good Christmas. How many of you are like me and you ate too much? All right. Yeah. A lot of you don't want to admit it. All right. All right. Uh, if you didn't eat too much, you did good. All right. And uh, you can be proud of yourself. But uh, well, back in the 1990s, uh, my, my family and I, we lived in the Dallas, Texas area. We lived in a place called Garland. Any of you ever heard of Garland? All right. Some of you have Garland's like Northeast uh, uh, Dallas. In fact, uh, uh, pastor's wife, Kim, grew up in Plano, which is right outside of Garland. And uh, so she was telling me, she was, uh, I don't know if she was a cheerleader or something like that, but uh, she was at football games. And I told her, I said, I was probably in the stands watching Plano East play high school football while you were down there in the field. We just didn't know each other at the time. So small world. But when we lived in Dallas, Texas, uh, one of the guys on the church staff there came to me one day and he said, hey, 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 one of my friends gave me four tickets to the Mavericks-Lakers game, all right? This is in the early 90s. And he said, you won't believe where they are. They're on the second row behind the Lakers bench. And I, he said, do you want to go? And I said, let me pray about it. Yes, I want to go, you know? So uh, I said, yeah, man, let's go. So he said, let's take our son. So I took my oldest son, TJ, he was about seven at the time, eight, something like that. And then his son was about 14, 15. So we took him and we went and we sat down and man, we were, you know, right there. And one of the things I remember is, all of those guys are so tall and big. It looked like they were playing on an eight-foot goal, you know? I mean, they would do a jump shot, and I could see their hand was higher than the rim when they're shooting their jump shots. I'm thinking, man, that goal can't be 10 foot because they were just so big. But we were sitting right there behind uh, some, some of those, the Laker players, and a lot of those guys had won, been part of the five NBA championships they had won in the 80s. So, man, we were sitting right there on that second row, and I was telling my son, son, Cherish this moment because this will probably never happen to you again, okay? Because your dad cannot afford these kind of tickets, all right? So uh, we were enjoying it. Well, while we were sitting there, I just happened to look back, and on the third row right behind me, on the end of the row, was a guy named Jerry West. Any of you know who Jerry West is, all right? Jerry West, all right? He was, I think, the general manager of the Lakers at the time, and uh, he's sitting right there on the end of the row. 
And I told my son, I said, oh man, that's Jerry West. And he goes, who? You know, he didn't know who Jerry West was. And he was a, a Laker that had played guard and a Hall of Famer. And uh, you might know this, but Jerry West is the silhouette of the NBA logo. I put that up there so you would at least relate to that, all right, if you don't know who he is. So I told my son, I said, hey, take your ticket and go down there and go around there and see if he'll sign your ticket. This guy is a well-known, you know, former player. And I said, he's the, I'm trying to explain to my son, he is the logo for the NBA. I'm trying to explain that. And I was looking around trying to find a logo and go, yeah, that's his silhouette right there, you know. So my son and my friend's son, they crawl through people, get to the end. And as they're walking up, there's an attendant there. And her job is one thing, keep everybody away from Jerry West, you know, because people, so as soon as they started up, she said, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's telling them I'm sorry. And they're just looking at her, you know. And then Jerry West goes, that's okay, that's okay. So they go over there and they get their ticket signed. They come back and sit down. Now, the, my friend's son, he knew what was happening. My son was like, did I do good? You know, he, he didn't know what was really going on. And I said, don't ever lose that, man. That's Jerry West, you know. Now, you have probably somewhere in your life, you've been in a restaurant or a store or somewhere, and you walked up and there was somebody that, it's pretty well known. You've seen on television or whatever, but they're pretty well known and everybody knows who that is, all right? We've all met those kind of things. Now, nowadays, what would we do? We would do this right here. We would go. We would take that selfie, wouldn't we? Yeah, back then we couldn't take the selfies. That wasn't, it was an unknown word, selfie, all right? So we, uh, we would take that selfie with our phone and then you would send it out and, on Facebook with someone and say, look who I ran into today. Who, look who I got my picture taken with today. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal lives, has a home in McDonough, Georgia, where I used to live. And I, every once in a while, will see one of my friends with a picture of Shaquille O'Neal. And here he is and here they are. You know, I mean, they come into his elbow. He's, he's a giant of a man. But I'll see that and they're, they're saying, I saw him at, you know, and, and, and they get all excited about it. You've probably been there too. But today I want to talk about this, that we as believers can talk to God himself. It's pretty awesome to meet somebody that's well known. But you stop and think. God made a way through prayer where you and I can talk to him, the creator of the world. Every time I see pictures of outer space and stuff, I'm blown away at creation. And I'm thinking just how many stars are up there? How many planets are out there? How many galaxies? And I see that and I just think, God created all that, just how massive, just how great is God. And then God makes a way where I can talk to him he gives us his word and he speaks to us. And then he says, you can talk to me. You can pray and talk to me. He is that open in his relationship to us. So prayer is truly one of the greatest gifts besides salvation that God has ever given to his children. The opportunity and ability to talk and speak to him personally. We've all experienced prayers when we're praying with our family at the ta dinner table and saying grace or you've been at church or you've been in a small group or you've been with people where there was a, a lot of people praying. You've also experienced times where maybe you were pouring out your heart to God for you or your family or your loved one or somebody else's family or loved one or one of your friends. You've prayed by yourself and you've probably prayed with other people. I remember when I was uh, just young, there was a man in our church. His name was Mr. Long. His name was Delmas Long. My uncle was the pastor and every once in a while, my uncle, he would call on one of the men to say, would, Brother so-and-so, would you open us up in prayer? Would you close us in prayer? When he called on Mr. Long, I knew one thing. He was going to live up to his name. It was going to be a long prayer. 
I mean, he, he, he was the slowest talking person I'd ever met. One time he came in my office, it took him 45 minutes to tell me a story and I couldn't help it. I kept wanting to finish his sentences. You know, I was like, you know, I wanted to just finish it. He would pray and he would have times where he would go, our heavenly father. And there would be 10 seconds of silence. And I'm thinking, is he done? You know, it would just be so long. And then I remember another time when I was a teenager, I was with a group of people. We went into a room to pray with some men and one person started praying and everybody started praying out loud. Any of you ever experienced that? I was like, what's going on? I mean, I didn't know what was happening because there was all these men and I kept thinking, how are they going to know when to stop together? But somehow they figured it out, you know? So um, the last thing I was going to tell you about prayer is when I was, um, when we lived in Garland, Texas, one time a man named Dr. Tom Williams, you probably never heard of him. He's an evangelist. I, th I think he might still be alive, but he would be an older gentleman by now. But Dr. Tom Williams came to speak at our church on a Sunday night, and, and I'll never forget it because it's the only time I've ever seen this. He came to our church, and when he got up to speak, he said, I'm going to do something tonight I've only done one other time, but I've, I just know God wants me to do this tonight. He said, I'm not going to speak to you. He says, I'm going to pray with you. And this is what he did. We sit in, in our seats just like you're doing, and he went over and he knelt down at a chair there, a little chair on the platform, and for 45 minutes, we listened to him pray. It was pretty moving because he prayed for I don't know how many people in situations, in places. I mean, I'd never heard anything like it. It was very eye-opening to me when I thought about my two-minute prayers before I go to bed at night or something, you know. And he prayed and he was, this is a man, he was pouring out his heart. And we sat there with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for 45 minutes listening to this man pray. And that was probably as good or better than any message he could have ever spoken to us. Because he showed us what it was to pour out your heart from God. Now, we're going to look this morning at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And we're actually going to look at several verses and I'll have them up on the screen for you. But when I stand up here and think of prayer I feel like, boy, I'm so unworthy to be speaking on this topic. You know, I think anytime you think of prayer, you think, I don't pray enough. I don't, I just, I'm just not worthy of it. And I don't pray enough. And so I feel very unworthy to even stand up here and talk to you about this morning. But I think this is what God laid on my heart. And I think it's something that can help us for this year. So Jesus here in Luke chapter 18 is with his disciples. And I think his disciples felt that same way where they're like, Lord, just teach us to pray. We, we don't know how to pray. Show us how to pray. So in Luke 18, Jesus with the disciples, in verse 1 it says this, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now he does different parables, but here's the one that I want to focus in on. He's talking about a widow lady in this parable. And this is what he says. He says that she went to this judge. And when she went to this judge, this judge was an unrighteous judge. He didn't respect God. He didn't respect any man. He was an unrighteous, hard judge. She goes to this judge and she says this. She says, I would like to have justice against my adversary, against my enemy. And at first he says, no, and he puts her off. She comes back and he puts her off. She comes back and he puts her off. And it doesn't tell us how many times she came back, but she would not stop coming back. And in verse five, listen to what the judge says. He said, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. He said, this woman is wearing me out. She is, I'm getting tired of her coming in and knocking on my door. I'm getting tired of seeing her face down in front of me. So you know what I'm going to do? 
I've rejected, 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 but now I'm going to give her this justice. I'm going to give it to her. Here, Jesus is teaching his disciples one thing. Be consistent with prayer. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. Then Jesus, in verses 6, 7, and 8, he compares this parable to God. And look what he says in verse 6, 7, and 8. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. So he's teaching his disciples, you pray and you don't lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? Well, maybe to become discouraged or you just stop praying and you quit on it. He says, you don't give up. You keep praying and praying and praying. This morning, what did Pastor Fias tell us about Brother Paul? For what, 40 years? His wife was bringing his name before God. God, would you please save my husband? God, would you please save my husband? 40 years. She didn't lose heart. She kept going. She kept persistent and consistent. And God answered her prayer. And a year or so ago, her husband trusted the Lord as he got convicted and got saved. So the main purpose here is he's saying, don't lose heart. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we know this short verse. It says this, pray without ceasing. Now that doesn't mean that 24 seven we're down on our knees praying and no, we have to go through life. But what does it mean? It's like this spirit of prayer that you can pray at any time. Isn't it awesome that you and I can stop right now, whatever we're doing and we can pray. You can pray at work. You can pray driving your car. Just keep your eyes open, but you can pray driving your car. Uh, some of my best times where I felt like God was speaking to me is when I was riding my lawnmower mowing my grass. It's just a, a quiet time. All I'm hearing is the roar of the engine and I'm, I'm riding there. And, and God can, listens at all times and we can speak to him at all times. So when he says pray without ceasing, he's saying be ready to pray at any moment. Be ready to pray at any time. At any time we can talk to God. Luke 11 is often called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the model prayer, you might say. But notice in verse one what it says. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Here's a disciple that's saying, I really, he's unnamed, but he's saying, I, I really don't know how to pray. I, I, I saw John teach his disciples. Or I heard about John teaching his disciples how to pray. Lord, will you do the same thing with us? Will you teach us how to pray? Here's a man who's saying, I'm in need. I'm in great need. And I need to know how to pray. Maybe he also had witnessed the prayer life of Jesus when Jesus had gone off and prayed to the Father. The disciples saw the relationship that Jesus had with God the Father and he said, you know what? Can I have that same relationship? So, one of the things that God has told us to do is to pray. And out of all the things that God has told us to do, prayer might be one of the most difficult because it's easy for us to wander in our minds, to get distracted, to think about what's going to happen or what just happened, to really focus in and pray and speak to God. Now, real quickly, let me give you two reasons why people don't pray. And I know there's many more, but let me give you two of them. Here's the first one. I don't think God hears me. I don't think God hears me, all right? I've talked to people before and they said, you know, I, I've tried that prayer thing, but 
I mean, I don't feel like it's getting any higher than the ceiling. I just don't feel like God even hears my prayer. In Psalm 66, we don't know who the writer of the psalm is. It's possibly David. But in verses 1 through 4, he gives praise to God. And then in 5 through 7, he says, come and see the works of God. 8 through 12, he said, God brought us through a time of affliction and testing. And then 13 through 15, he said, I will keep the vows that I have made to God. But look at verse 16 through 20 and read it with me. This is what it says. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. He's given a testimony. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. He gives a testimony. He said, I cried with my mouth and I gave him high praise to God. But notice there's one stipulation that this psalmist puts in there. And it's in verse 18. He said, if I cherished iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I harbored sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I want to give you a quote from Charles Spurgeon here, and I'm going to read it slow because I want you to get it because it's very good. He said this, if having seen it, sin, having seen sin to be there, I continue to cherish it, have a side glance of love toward it, excuse it and palliate it. And palliate means to make light of it, make light of the sin. He said this, the Lord will not hear me. He said, how can he? Can I desire him to connive at my sin and accept me while I willfully cling to an evil way? Nothing hinders prayer like iniquity harbored in the breast. As with Cain, so with us, sin lieth at the door and blocks the passage. For God to accept our devotions while we are delighting in sin would be to make himself the God of hypocrites, which is the fitting name for Satan. He said, there's one thing that'll keep God from hearing your devotions, your prayers, and it's sin being harbored in our heart. He said, how can God just turn aside to that and act like it doesn't exist? And uh, Psalm 66, 19 and 20, he says this, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. I'm glad that when I pray, God gives attention to my prayer, aren't you? Aren't you glad that even if it's saying grace and thanking God for the food, he listens? Or when you're pouring your heart out because it's something really big in your life, he listens? He's not just saying, oh, just another prayer. No, he's attentive to our individual prayers. And he said this, he will not remove his steadfast love from me, does it? Because he loves me. So does God hear our prayers? Yes, unless there's sin harbored in our heart. The second reason people don't pray. Here's a good one, and it sounds right at first. If God is sovereign in control, then why bother praying? When you first hear someone say that, you think, well, God is in control of everything. So yeah, I guess that sounds right, but it's not correct thinking. Because we think nothing that I can do or say will change God's will, but that's not true. We do not know all of God's will in life. Now, some things are predestined by God while others are not. The things that are not predestined by God are the things that our prayers can influence or change. 
Bruce Demarest wrote this quote, and I quote from him. Although prayer will not change those events that God predestined to be accomplished by his own power unconditionally, many aspects of our lives are not unconditionally determined. Although prayer that asks God to act contrary to his nature or unconditional purposes is of no avail, our petitions in other matters have great and eternal significance. God's not going to go against his nature. I can't ask God to do something evil or wicked. He's not going to go against his own character. But there are many things in life that we can pray about. And our prayers, listen, can change the course of where a situation is heading. Let me give you an example. Here's an example of where God says, no, I can't do that. You remember Jesus going to the cross and Jesus prays to the Father and he's talking to the Father and in Matthew 26, 39, it says this, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Here Jesus is saying, can this cup pass from me? He's about to go and down the cross to pay from our sin and he's crying out to the Father, but the answer to this is no. Because the only way salvation could be made was through Jesus Christ. So there was no other way. So Jesus said this, as your will be done, as your will be done. We're saying this, when we say, Lord, your will be done in our prayers, we're saying this, I do not know what is best, but God does. I do not know what is best, but God does. Here's an example. Have you ever prayed for something and later on, you prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord, let me have this, let me do this or whatever. Later on, you realize, man, I am so glad. God did not give me that or God did not let that happen because that would have devastated my life or that would have messed things up or that would not have been best. But at one point, you were praying hard about that. But then later on, you see, I'm glad that didn't happen because God's will is always what's best. Now, let me give you an example of when prayer took over and made a change. In Acts chapter 12 and verse five, Peter is in prison and people are praying for him. So verse five says this, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now you've probably read this story before. God ends up sending a, a, a angel and releases Peter out of prison miraculously. It was a situation where prayer took over. Now here's what happens. The people are in a home of, of Mary and they're down on their knees and they're praying, oh God, save Peter's life, spare his life, let him get out of prison. Peter gets out by an angel. God miraculously gets him out. And Peter comes and goes to Mary's house and knocks on the gate. It says there's a young girl named Rhoda who hears the knocking. She gets up while others are praying. She goes to the gate and when she says, who is it? She recognizes Peter's voice. She's so excited she doesn't open the gate. She runs back in and starts yelling, Peter's at the gate, Peter's at the gate. Hey, Peter's at the gate. And what do the people do? They say, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're out of your mind. It must be his angel. Here they are praying, but boy, it didn't seem like they had the greatest faith, did they? It must be his angel. Finally, they go out and it says in verse 16, but Peter continued knocking and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. They were shocked. God answered their prayer. The situation looked very, very bad for Peter, possibly even death, but God answered their prayer. Prayer changed the circumstance. 
Prayer changed the circumstance. It took over the situation. Pastor Fias mentioned this on Wednesday, on a Thursday night at Christmas Eve service, but I just want to mention something about adoption. He said something about adoption if you were here, if you were listening. Um, one time I was on a staff and the pastor was, had been adopted. The assistant pastor, he and his wife had been adopted as children. The worship pastor, his wife had been adopted as a child. And then the guy who was doing the student ministry, his wife was adopted. Don and I were the only couple that neither one of us were adopted. We almost felt left out like we'd missed something, you know? And uh, we were the only couple. All of those people had been adopted. And he's like, man, this is amazing. And they were all amazing stories how this Christian family adopted me when I was a little girl and I was three years old. Amazing stories. And they had all grown up and all had trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Just amazing, amazing stories. Uh, adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for us at salvation. I want to read Romans chapter 8, 15, 16, and 17, because it talks about our relationship with God. And notice what it says. He says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons or children of God, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. He says this, you are now a son, you are a child of God. And when you pray, you can pray to God, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, because he is now your heavenly Father. Do you remember when Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus? Let me read these two verses. He comes to the tomb of Lazarus, and here's what he does. It says, so they took the stone away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. And then in verse 43, the next verse, he says, Lazarus, come out. Why did he do that? Why did he pray to God so that everybody could hear him? Because he wanted it to be a witness to them that God the Father listens to our prayers. Again, in Romans 8, 17, he says that we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So we have access through, to the Father through prayer. Now, in closing, let me give you two things about prayer, all right? Will you stick with me? Two things about prayer in closing. What about this? What if you say, there's a situation I really don't know how to pray about it. I don't know what's God's will. I don't know what's right. I, maybe it's overwhelming. And you just say this, I just don't know how to pray about it. So what if you do not know what to pray? Here's an amazing thing that God the Spirit does for us in Romans chapter 8, 26, 27, and 28. This is what it says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And here's a verse that we've known and we tag it on everything. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Here he says this, you're in, you have something going on and you just say, I just don't really know how to pray. I just don't know what to say. That's okay. 
Because the spirit of God that dwells within you intercedes for you and me. And it says he speaks words that are, that are too deep, too deep. And it says they're groanings too deep for words. And he searches the heart and the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, I don't always know what's best, but the spirit of God that lives within me does know what's best. And when I say, I just don't know how to pray, that's okay, because I can pray and do the best I can, but the spirit of God intercedes for me to God the Father. So what do you do when you don't know what to pray? You just pray anyway, and the spirit's gonna intercede for you. And then lastly here, where do your prayers go? We tend to think, well, I prayed, God heard it, it's all done. According to the book of Revelation, that's not true. God has a scroll in the heavenlies. The opening of the scroll is going to represent the end of history and the return of Jesus. It's going to take place during this seven-year period of tribulation that you've probably heard of. And there's, it says that it's going to be the opening of the seven seals. There's weeping in heaven. And if you know the story, no one's found worthy to open up this seventh seal except for Jesus. He's the one that's worthy. So notice what happens when Jesus, the lamb, opens the seventh seal. Here's what it says in Revelation 8. When the lamb, Jesus, opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. John said, then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. The angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. The apostle John saw this vision of this angel coming and this angel has this golden altar and it says with a bowl that is filled with the prayers of the saints throughout history. So my prayers just don't go to God and just evaporate and disappear. It says that all the prayers of the saints for the last 2,000 years have been placed in a bowl. Listen to what John Piper says this as he explains it. He said this, what we have in this text is an explanation of what has happened to the millions upon millions of prayers over the last 2,000 years as the saints have cried out again and again, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. Not one of these prayers prayed in faith has been ignored. No one has been lost or forgotten. Not one has been lost or forgotten. Not one has been ineffectual or pointless. They have all been gathering on the altar before the throne of God and the time will come when God will command his only angel to pour it out on the world to bring all of God's great and holy purposes to completion. Which means that the consummation of history will be owing to the supplication of the saints who cry to God day and night. Not one God-exalting prayer has ever been in vain. There is no prayer too short or too little or too insignificant. When that little child prays, it's not insignificant because they're only four years old. When that person who's been saved for 50 years prays, it's not any greater than that little child's prayer. They all matter to God. They all matter to God. So what have we heard today? We've heard this, that we're an adopted child of God. We've heard that God tells us to pray 
We've heard that God hears our prayers and answers them according to his will. We've heard that things can be changed through prayer and not one prayer is made in vain. I don't know how important prayer is to you, but it should be very important. Those of us that are raising children, man, we got to teach them how to pray like Jesus taught the disciples. They got to know how to pray. They got to learn how to pray because it's a relationship with God. It's a two-way relationship. He speaks to us, we get to speak to him. We've said it over and over and over that this has been a hard year and it has been a hard year and, and we don't know what 2021 might be. It might be just as hard. We don't know because we don't know the future. But this is what we know. We have a God who listens. We have a God who cares. And when we say, Lord, teach us to pray, God takes the good, the bad, the hard, the ugly, and all of it. And you know what he does? He teaches us to pray through it all. The hardest times I pray is probably when things are not going too good. And that's not when I'm on the mountaintop and boy, everything's wonderful. The hardest times I pray is when I'm crying out to God because I need him. He's my only hope. So this year, let's be people of prayer. Let's say, Lord, teach me to pray in a greater way. And I stand here unworthy to even say this to you. But God wants us to have a relationship with him. And part of that is us talking to him. And I'm so glad that we have this great God who created all the stars and the galaxies and everything. And yet he's so big, he's bigger than the world, but yet he's so small, he lives in my heart. And if you're a Christian, he lives in your heart. Let's bow for a word of prayer this morning. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for listening today to God's word. We're just going to take a time here to respond. And I don't know about everyone that's here today. Maybe the prayer that you need today would be your prayer of salvation. Like these two men that got baptized said there was a time in their life when they called out to God and they asked God to forgive them of their sin and, for, and come into their heart and be their Savior. And they're trusted in Jesus and his work and Jesus only. Maybe that's what you need today. Whether you're a child, a teen, or an adult, maybe that's what you need today. And your prayer is, I just need right here to pray and ask Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and become my Savior. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, let's sit here quietly for just a moment and let's give someone an opportunity. If that's you today, we're going to sit here quietly because this is an important time in your life and we love and care about you and we want you to accept Jesus Christ, your Savior. So as we sit here quietly, right now you can quietly in your heart pray to the Lord and you can say, God, I believe what you did on the cross for me through Jesus Christ. And in your prayer, you can say, Lord, right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I ask you to come into my heart and be my savior. You can pray that right now as we sit quietly. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to ask you this this morning and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or anything like that. But in your heart, how is your prayer life? Is it like mine? You're lacking. You don't give enough attention to it. You just don't spend enough time. So many times I hope things will turn out certain ways, but I don't pray about them. Do you have children that need to be prayed for or relatives or friends at work or that unlost man you work with? Or We can think of so many things we need to pray for. Our world's broken. We can see that. And we can see how easily a virus can turn the whole world upside down. We need to be people of prayer. 
We need to be people that pray for lost people in Tallahassee to be saved and that our church can be a, a light of Jesus Christ in this area. As we go out from these doors, we all go to work and we go to school and we go do things that we would be that light that takes the light of Jesus Christ out into this world of darkness. So let's just take a moment right now and let's just pray in our hearts, however God's dealing with you. And let's just pray and lift our voices to God's quietly and just ask God to help you pray more and pray more earnestly. Let's do that right now. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you made a way for us to talk to you. And we're so thankful for prayer this morning. Lord, forgive us for taking it for granted. Forgive us for not taking everything to you in prayer. And forgive us for not living a life where we pray without ceasing, Lord. Lord, help us to walk with you in the spirit of God. Lord, we know we're all sinners and we fall into sin so easily. God, I pray that the Spirit of God that lives within us as believers, Lord, would be in control of us. And Lord, when you prompt us, we would pray. And when you speak to us, we would pray. And we would have a life that's a relationship with God. Not just come to church on a Sunday morning, but it would be seven days a week. And we would be able to pray at any time and any moment. And Lord, help us as we go through our life to look for other people that we can pray for, we can even pray with. Lord, that person at work that needs prayer, that we could say a kind word and just ask them, is there something I can pray with you about or pray for you? God, help us to be those type of people. So Lord, we have about one week left and we're into 2021. And Lord, we pray that it would be a year that would bring honor and glory to you no matter what's going on in the world and no matter what's going on in our life. So God, we give you this year, we give you our time. And Lord, we thank you for loving us. Bless us as we go out. Lord, I know there's people traveling. Please keep us all safe. Thank you that we have some time to spend with family and friends. And, and uh, thank you for this again, for the Christmas season, what it means to us as Christians. So bless this week and all that's in it. And we'll give you glory, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.